is the Business of Reselling podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Oman. Hey, everyone, and welcome to uh, episode 24 of the Business of Reselling podcast. Gosh, it has been a crazy month. It's been so hard to sit down and actually find time to record the podcast, even though I have so many things I want to say. Um, business is pretty exciting, actually. Uh, our sales have been excellent due to uh, a few of the big bulk buys that we've uh, purchased over the last few weeks. Um, we've gotten a lot of really fantastic inventory and we've been posting it really fast. So the sales have come. You know, people say list more, sell more. It really is the thing that works the best, especially with eBay. And I think on most other platforms too, we actually find that if we list more stuff on Craigslist, we sell more stuff on Craigslist. So I think it works regardless of platform. Anyway, we've been really pouring our energy into um, getting our store sort of back to, I don't want to say like pandemic levels, although that's where it is right now, but um, just back to like a nice, profitable, um, uh, comfortable level of revenue and uh, and it's been working. So we're very happy. We've also been very fortunate to have um, our favorite uh, teenager. <laughs> uh, some friends of ours um, have a young man who is a fantastic uh, part-time employee for us and it's been his spring break. So we've had him for a couple of weeks taking tons and tons of photos and really just getting some momentum going uh, in the shop. So it's been great. We had a 16 day streak of at least $1,000 a day in sales. Our average was actually quite a bit higher than that. Um, then the streak ended for a couple of days and now we're on day three of the next one. So it's been really exciting. It's been a great March. Um, and I'll share that with you eventually in the um, March month in review episode, which I'll do sometime in April. Uh, but actually one of the sales that was a big boost for us was kind of a hilarious one. Uh, we sold 20, no, 2,000 comic books to the set of a TV show for the purposes of a bonfire. And this was a difficult, honestly, it was a really difficult sale for us to make because the comic books that, we, that we're keeping are, we're keeping them for eventual resale. We don't have a lot of pure junk um, in our comic book inventory. Um, but we do have too many comic books and uh, it was actually harder than we were expecting it to be to dig through and find 2000 comic books that we were, were willing to literally burn. Um, that was kind of a tough one. Actually, we thought it would be a lot easier, but we just don't have that much total junk. Um, so anyway, we did it. We got a great price uh, for it and it was just like a fantastic day of sales. Uh, just kind of a little spike in the middle of um, a pretty good streak already. Um, so that was weird. Um, although they have said that they might not burn them all. And there's a possibility that we'll get some of them back <laughs> after they're done filming. Because I guess this is the last season of the show. And then they'll be divesting themselves of all of their um, props and other those kinds of assets. Um, but anyway, that's just one example. Um, we've also come across some great luck in that regard with just getting these kinds of sales. We had another guy come and purchase every boom box that we had in our inventory because he's working on a restaurant and they're going to build this whole wall of boom boxes with this retro 90s theme. And, you know, so stuff like that has been happening. And I think, you know, I want to say it's luck, but it's not. I mean, you put the work in, you put yourself out there and those sales do come. Anyway, we're benefiting from it and it's been fun. 
Um, and we're sort of thinking about what's ahead and if we can continue the streak, if we've got the energy for it, what are we going to do? And so this episode's, uh, this week's episode, sorry, is about limiting beliefs. So we're in a great phase here with lots of sales. What are we going to do with that? Where are we going to go? How do we want to grow the business from here? When you're thinking about those sorts of big picture things, limiting beliefs tend to creep up. So I thought it would be neat to do an episode about limiting beliefs. Um, this is stuff I've explored through my business education and through studying online marketing um, and just working with mastermind groups and things like that. So what are limiting beliefs, um, how they keep your business from serving you the way that you want to be served by your business um, and how to recognize your own limiting beliefs. That's all going to be part of this episode with some little bit of research uh, sprinkled in. But first, a follow-up from episode 23. So when I uh, when I published episode 23, I got a great comment and series of questions from user Backpack Treasures. So if you're listening, thank you so much for your questions. Um, the questions were, uh, would you be able to add a little bit of info on how to handle a US bulk buy? So remember, uh, episode 23 was all about bulk buys and the benefits of doing that. So if you're interested in, in getting the context, definitely go back and listen to episode 23. Um, anyway, they're asking, how do you handle a US to bulk buy? So again, I'm in Canada, so I have to bring inventory back from the US. What kind of paperwork is accepted at customs, especially if you are not buying from a retail store with official receipts? What if you buy from another individual? Do they accept handwritten notes uh, receipts at the border? Do they need an item by item list? Uh, so those are the questions. Um, the first thing I'll say is that if you don't have an import export RM account identifier, get one. So if you're a Canadian seller, reseller, and you're interested in making purchases in the United States and bringing them back to Canada, you should have this identifier. Now it's free and the all it is is just an appendage to your registered business number. So if you're already a registered business owner in Canada, you can just go and apply for the import export RM account identifier and they'll just tag it onto your business number. And then you'll have that if you're ever asked to present it at the border. And I'll put a link in the show notes for where you can get that number if you don't have one. However, we have never been asked for it ever. Um, we have many times returned to Canada without any paperwork or receipts for our purchases at all. Um, and when you're buying from individuals, you know, as you suggested, you don't always get receipts, especially if you go to a yard sale and if you only spent $25 or $30, it seems kind of weird to ask the homeowner for a receipt. Um, but we're, we've done that, but we're also very conscious of the limits for spending across the border, which are the same as those for um, consumer goods purchased in the US and brought back to Canada. We are aware of our personal exemptions. So your personal exemptions are $200 Canadian per person if you have left Canada for 24 hours and $800 Canadian per person if you've left Canada for at least 48 hours. You're allowed to bring back that much in goods as personal exemption. Now, of course, that's not related to business, right? It's not the same thing. Um, but we do go and buy, we're, we're quite often under those exemptions anyway. We stop at the border, what did you buy? We went to a bunch of yard sales and we bought a bunch of stuff. Okay, what are you gonna do with it? Well, we're probably going to sell it in our business. And honestly, they only once have we ever been asked to go in and pay the GST on it, only one time. And that was for a same day trip where we were across the border and back in the same day. So there is no personal exemption when you do that. Um, 
And of course, we always disclose that this is inventory for the business. And quite honestly, they very rarely ask for any additional paperwork or require any extra action. It doesn't mean they won't. They absolutely can. Um, but in our experience, it, it it hasn't happened. So if we're, especially if we think we're going to go over our personal exemption, we will be sure to gather as many receipts as possible. And if you buy from estate sales, of course, they will provide these easily. Um, and on the rare occasion where we spent a lot with a private seller, we will just ask them to sign a piece of paper with the date, what we bought and what we paid them. I'm not shy about being a reseller wherever I go. If I go to a yard sale and I bought a bunch of stuff for resale and the person there says, hey, what are you doing with that stuff? I'll tell them that I'm going to resell it. Like I have no, no problem with that at all. And so therefore I have no problem asking uh, an individual to sign something that just says, hey, I, brought, I bought this and I'm bringing it back into Canada for resale. Um, you rarely ever experience resistance on that. Uh, I really only ask if we've spent, you know, several hundred dollars or more with one person. Um, and but again, we've never been asked for that. So we'll come across with the receipts and we have them and everything is ready to go. Um, but they they have they have never asked us. Um, <laughs> we have had a couple of funny conversations <laughs> with um, CBSA agents who say, you know, like, oh, you went to a bunch of garage sales. Well, what kind of stuff did you buy? And then we start to list off the things we bought and they're like, OK, stop go home, please just stop. One time we were in Seattle at an estate sale and we bought something called a molecular enhancer. And it's this quack medicinal device where like you put your feet on this little platform and then you hold a light bulb and it's supposed to like change your electromagnetic fields or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, I looked these things up at the estate sale and I noticed that people or the the manufacturer was selling them for like $5,000 or something. And this sale only wanted 20 bucks. And I was like, for 20 bucks, this is, thing is so weird. It's weird enough that I can't not buy it. And I'm sure I will profit from it. So we brought that back. And when we were asked, what kind of stuff did you buy? We were like, well, we bought this uh, molecular enhancer. A what? A molecular enhancer. Well, what does that do? We're not sure. Okay. Have a great night. That's usually how the conversations go. Uh, funny end to that story, we actually ended up selling the molecular enhancer for 500 bucks uh, right back to Seattle where we got it from to somebody else who lived there. So that was funny. If only we could have just flipped it before we even came home. But uh, anyway, that's how that went. Um, you should look, you should always be prepared to go in and pay the GST um, on your purchases. That is a normal thing. If they ask you to pay it, you have to go and pay it. So, and you should always have as many receipts as you can get. And you should always be totally honest about what you're doing with the stuff you're bringing back just so that you're ready. But all I can say is that in our experience, they don't ask any further. Um, you know, just because they can doesn't mean that they will. And if you're honest, you know, typically everything is going to be fine. Uh, so don't be afraid of it. Just have those little things ready. Get your RM account identifier. Um, get as many receipts as you can. You don't need an item by item list of everything you bought. A generalized list is absolutely fine. If you have all of that with you, you're unlikely to experience any issues at the border. But I will say that is just in our experience. Uh, so I hope that helps. And thank you so much for your question. Uh, so I was going to do a February month in review on this episode, but I think I'm going to just do it as a video. So we'll probably see that coming out separately on YouTube over the next week or so. Um, February was a pretty good month. It 
picked up a lot around the second week of February when we got all that great stuff in Victoria. And I alluded to my expectation in the last episode that our sales would continue to rise and they have. Um, so I'll break down all of those sales and the good, the bad and everything in a video episode in the coming days. So stay tuned for that. Now, we are still working on the doll collection. It is super overwhelming. <laughs> it's amazing because when we went to the island, we bought like a 26 footer truck, about two thirds full, full of stuff. And we processed it in about a week. I mean, honestly, like we just pounded through this. These dolls were a less than full uh, sprinter van, you know, like a raised roof cargo van. So a lot less volume. But wow, it's so much harder. I mean, all of the pieces are tiny. There's thousands of them. Um, there, there's some organization going on in the collection, but there's a lot that I have to pull together. And I don't really know anything about um, doll collecting. And it is just, whew. So I've been frustrated with myself for um, not being able to handle the processing of this purchase as effectively as I've handled other bulk purchases. Um, it's very meticulous work. Um, I have a hard time kind of sitting and, and focusing my attention for hours and hours at a time on finding all the little bits and pieces. I also don't have the space because our warehouse is so full right now. I don't have the space to spread things out in a way that would help me organize. Um, so that's hard. Um, and because the items are tiny, 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 I can barely see the progress. So I worked all day on Friday. I think it was Friday on identifying lingerie, Barbie lingerie. And like, it was less than a shoebox when I was finished. I mean, what? <laughs> uh, so I can't see the progress and that kind of heightens my anxiety. Um, I'm learning a lot about dolls, uh, which is great. I mean, it's always fun and exciting to learn about a new category uh, so that if something like this were to happen again, although I couldn't fathom it happening again, maybe it will. Um, at least I'll know a little bit more about what to purchase, how to purchase, um, and but figuring out what buyers want to know about the items that I'm selling, that's been a little bit tough because it's a new category. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I take good pictures and I describe the condition as best I can, but then the buyers always surprise me with the types of questions that they have. And then I'm like, oh man, I can't go over like, you know, 200 doll listings and check that one thing in case another buyer asks about it. Uh, so that's been a little bit tough is sort of learning how to do the listings effectively to minimize the number of questions that I get from potential buyers. And there's been a lot of going back and forth, checking out dolls to answer questions, um, which I feel like is time that I don't want to spend because I still have so much inventory to process and I feel it's pulling my attention away from that. So yeah, I just kind of find myself all over the place. There's just so much more to go and I don't see the end of it. And it makes me disappointed in myself, which I know is absolutely ridiculous. And it's probably a limiting belief, which is the subject of today's episode. So good segue, right? Let's get right into it. So I want to talk about limiting beliefs. The phrase limiting beliefs, if you haven't heard it before, this is uh, tends to be like a risk averse way of thinking. This is about these are stories or scripts that you tell yourself um, about who you are, what you're capable of, what you're capable of learning and what you're able to achieve um, that prevent you from getting to a certain point in life, whether it's a goal in your business, whether it's, you know, 
a relationship, whether it's fitness and health, something like that. Uh, so I'm going to discuss how we can define limiting beliefs, uh, some of my own limiting beliefs that I've uh, acknowledged and uh, that I've been working through in myself, um, and sort of hopefully give you some prompts on how to recognize where your limiting beliefs are, as well as some tips and pointers on how to deal with them so that you can make progress in your business, whatever progress looks like to you. So limiting beliefs don't just happen in business, although that's going to be the focus of uh, today's talk. You can have limiting beliefs about love, relationships, fitness and health, and so many more aspects of your life. It's like when people say like, oh, I'm not good at math. And so they avoid anything to do with math. It's like, it's one thing to say, I'm not good at math. It's another thing to decide that you want to improve your math skills. You know, you can decide that uh, to some degree. Um, so limiting beliefs have this tendency to make us sabotage our sabotage ourselves. So for example, the very, very common one is I don't have, I can't get healthy and exercise because I don't have time to work out. Uh, this can be a limiting belief where you tell yourself there's no point in trying. There's no point in making the routine. There's no point in trying to be, uh, begin a fitness program or achieve anything related to fitness because you don't have time. And you know, lots of health and fitness gurus will say, that's complete BS, you know, 10 minutes a day. And as annoying as some of that rhetoric can be, it is true that taking a tiny little step towards fitness, whether it's two minutes a day or five minutes a day or whatever it is, can be the step you need to form a habit that becomes long-term and starts allowing you to achieve some kind of fitness goals. Um, so that's a very common limiting belief. The I don't have time one is a huge, huge one. Um, now, importantly, I want to acknowledge that actual barriers do exist to achieving certain things, and limiting beliefs are not the preventive factor all the time. Um, so I just have to put that there. Um, sometimes we do have like legitimate obstacles to achieving things, and that is completely understandable. But more often than you think, it is your own mindset preventing you from getting somewhere in business or in life. Now, limiting beliefs can be the result of what Stanford researcher Carol Dweck calls a fixed mindset, where we decide that growth and change are not possible, and we only have a fixed amount of intelligence or abilities. So she presents this idea in contrast to a growth mindset, which is one where a person realizes that they can continue to develop, grow, and learn forever and move past these otherwise imaginary obstacles. So... It's also important to recognize that all of us have limiting beliefs, regardless of our level of success. Warren Buffett has them. Bill Gates has them. Some of the wealthiest, most successful entrepreneurs have limiting beliefs. We all face them. And no matter how you define success, you know, the most successful people in the world still face limiting beliefs. They're a very natural and normal part of being human. So you may already be thinking about some of yours, maybe beyond the obvious ones. But I want you to start thinking about what limiting beliefs you might have that are specifically related to your reselling business. You probably have a place you wanna go with your business, whether it's scaling up, you probably wanna scale up or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast because that's what it's all about. 
Um, you probably want to grow in some way, or maybe you want to shift to selling in a new category, or maybe you want to move into a bigger space or like whatever it is, whatever you want to achieve in your business, there may be a limiting belief that is one of the things preventing you from getting there. So I'm going to be a bit vulnerable here and talk about some of mine. Now, I probably don't even know what all of my limiting beliefs are, but anytime I feel myself resisting an idea that logically I think is a good one, I have to ask myself if there's a limiting belief at play. So one big thing for me is I've long had limiting beliefs about money. And I've thought small about money for a very long time. And that might surprise you if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, because I talk a lot about financial success. And I have a strong focus on revenue growth all the time. Even the premise of this podcast when I started it was to explore the idea of selling a million dollars a year of stuff. And that is still a goal that I'd like to achieve. So I, I do think in sort of some, some larger financial um, ways, but I haven't always been that way. And I've, all, I've often thought much smaller about money. Um, I know that limiting beliefs about money are still a, a part of what's holding me back um, from achieving more in business. So I grew up without a lot of money and the idea of abundance was sort of a foreign thing. Um, like something that could only be achieved if we won the lottery, for example. Um, and I was well into adulthood when I started to focus on shifting that mindset, but I still find myself doing these little things like, for example, not paying myself enough out of the business to cover one-time expenses, like just enough to cover my bills and that's it because that's how it always used to be for me. Uh, or pricing items lower than comparable solds because I somehow think like I don't deserve to get the same price as another seller. I know it's silly, but I catch myself doing things like this all the time and I always have to stop and say, that's your limiting belief at play, raise that price, give yourself a raise, you know, do what you have to do. And yet I've made really great progress. Um, with my limiting beliefs about money. I bought a car last year, which my entire life was something that I thought was a total luxury. It was a pointless, a frivolous, an extravagant expense to own a car. Um, it was too expensive. It's too luxurious. Um, and I shouldn't do it. And in fact, this limiting belief affected me so much that I didn't even learn to drive until relatively recently because it would have meant challenging my ideas around what it meant to have a car. So think about that. Like that I was like, I really have not been driving for that long and I'm 44 almost. So, you know, that, that whole limiting belief around what I deserved, um, what financial abundance meant was something that prevented me from even like, driving a car, let alone owning a car. And I definitely have a limiting belief about business growth. Um, we have like a really cool idea that we're floating around right now with regards to inventory acquisition, which I'm gonna share with you when we eventually implement it. Um, but I find myself deflecting the actual work of implementing the idea. Why am I doing that? I think I'm afraid it will work. <laughs> And I'm afraid of what that would mean for the business, what I would have to add to it, um, how many people I would have to hire, um, how I would train them, what they would have to do, and all of the extra things that we'd have to incorporate into our business in order to make it work. I think it's absolutely an important step to achieving that $1 million in reselling revenue in a year. And yet I'm like, oh, I don't wanna take that first step. Like. 
that's scaring me. That idea of succeeding at that level is like actually really freaking me out. So even though we could totally start small with it and it's only going to take a few hundred dollars of investment to begin, I'm just not taking that next step. So I try to challenge myself when and recognize these limiting beliefs. So I want to talk a little bit about how you can challenge your limiting beliefs and move beyond them. The first step is, of course, to recognize what your limiting beliefs are. So the next time you're thinking about doing something in your business and you feel resistance or you feel yourself telling yourself, I can't do that or that's not possible. Um, when that negative phrasing kind of comes into your mind, it could mean that there's a limiting belief at play. So recognize when you're resisting something in your business, uh, especially if your resistance seems illogical. Like if the idea on the surface of it makes sense and it's rational, but you find yourself making excuses around it, there's probably a limiting belief at work. If you're telling yourself things that include the phrase, I can't, then there may be a limiting belief going on that you need to expose. Fear is also a signal that you're dealing with a limiting belief if you're afraid of moving forward with something. Like, I'm afraid of moving forward with this inventory acquisition idea, even though I think it's going to be really successful. Um, so start to explore your fear and your line of thinking. So Dweck says to remember that you have a choice. You can stick to the status quo and keep things just the way you are, and that's a legitimate choice that you can make. Or decide to make changes to get to a new place in your life, relationships, or business. So for me, I ask myself, what is this resistance about? Why am I saying these negative things? Why am I using this negative phrasing? And then try to explain it away and allow logic to prevail over my emotions. I try to understand why I'm thinking in a negative way and what I need to do to shift that into a positive growth-oriented approach. So once you've done that, you're acknowledging that you have a limiting belief, that it may be the thing preventing you from moving forward. Then the decision is, look, if I'm going to make the choice to make some change to get myself out of this, then what's a small action that I can take? So going back to the fitness idea, when the fitness gurus say, take five minutes a day or just get up in the morning and do 10 push-ups. Take baby steps. It's true that those small actions can lead to forming habits that stick with you. Um, so, for example, the action that I've decided to take as I've been thinking about this episode um, and thinking about this inventory idea that we have, uh, this, the action I've decided to take is to purchase some Storage Warrior branded swag, like hats and T-shirts and maybe a jacket or something like that, as well as a banner. We need a we need a banner and I think probably a car magnet that we can take on and off the truck. Uh, I don't want to brand the truck. I, I would like something that's removable, so I think the magnet is the way to go. Anyway, public branding is going to be an important part of this new inventory strategy that we want to try. We have to put our face out there. And that's another thing is I've been afraid for a long time of like exposing our brand too much because there's risks in, associated with that. Um, but once I've actually invested the money into purchasing that swag, 
um, I'm probably more likely to take the next step because I want to use the swag, especially if it's nice swag. Like I'm not going to buy the cheap crappy stuff. I'm going to buy like, you know, nice brands and I'm going to get the embroidery. I'm going to put something into it like, you know, so I've got a little bit more skin in the game and not just have a bunch of throwaway junk. And I think that's going to make it more likely that we'll take the next step in actually going out um, and pounding pavement and getting inventory the way that we think we can get it. And I hope it's successful because I really want to share it with you if it works. Actually, I'll share it with you if it doesn't work too. I mean, failure is just as important as success. Uh, anyway, going back to this, these changes are can be really uncomfortable. And I think that's also uh, an important thing is to remember that when you do start to make a change in your business or you, and you do start challenging your mindset um, and to try and think a different way, it can feel kind of like, scary and you're getting out of your comfort zone and, and maybe in a way it doesn't feel good and you have a tendency to sort of retreat back into your old ways of thinking. Um, however, once you start to see the changes happen, it's pretty rare to regret that you'll regret them. Um, and maybe that will make it easier to deal with other limiting beliefs that will crop up in the future. So I've got a link to a summary of Dweck's research in the show notes, and that site will direct you to lots of other mindset resources if you want to look at this in more depth. Um, but I want to know if you're comfortable sharing, what's a limiting belief that holds you back in your business? Take a couple of minutes to reflect on where you'd like to go with your reselling business and consider whether any of the things preventing you from getting there could be limiting beliefs that you can work through on your own. Um, go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Storage Warrior Podcast, and leave a comment there. Don't forget to like and subscribe while you are there. Um, and let me know what's a limiting belief that you have in your business. And let's get some of this stuff out in the open. Uh, next episode, I'm not exactly sure what um, content I'm going to have. I have a list of all kinds of ideas, and I may pick one from the list. But I'm also open to whatever you want to learn more about. So um, if you want to send me an email, tag me on Instagram, uh, leave a comment on YouTube and tell me what you'd like to see in the next episode. I can definitely conform to your desires. I have no problem with that. Um, and watch YouTube as well soon for a video on our February month in review and make sure and like and subscribe while you're there. We will see you uh, in a couple of weeks for episode number 25. Have a great day in business and reselling.